Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. beginning. Uh, so it's about a family from the Upper West Side who go to Mallorca, Spain on vacation. And I'm going to skip the part where they get a taxi cab and get on an airplane. And we're just going to go straight to Spain because why not? Right? I'm not going to read for that long. So let's just get right to it. Um, what do you need to know? So Jim and Franny Post are the parents in this family. They've been married for 35 years. And uh, Jim has just committed an indiscretion at his workplace that has rendered him jobless rather suddenly. And they are with their 18-year-old daughter, Sylvia, and their son, Bobby, who's 28, is going to join them the next day. So I think that's all you need to know. Predictably, both Jim and Sylvia fell asleep as soon as they were given a bed in which to do so. Franny dragged her bag from the trunk of the car into the foyer. Gemma had left a small dossier on the house, pool, and surrounding towns and a red folder on the kitchen counter, and Franny leafed through it quickly. There were a few restaurants at the bottom of the hill, some tapas, some sandwiches, some pizza, and a serviceable grocery store and vegetable market. Palma, the largest city on the island, which they had just circumnavigated on their way from the airport, had everything else they could need. Department stores for forgotten bathing suits and such, camper shoes made on Mallorca. Gemma herself was fully stocked with beach towels and suntan lotion, pool floats and goggles. There were clean sheets on the bed and more in the linen closet. Someone would come the following weekend to service the pool and take care of the garden. They weren't to lift a finger. Franny closed the folder and knocked her knuckles against the stone countertop. It wasn't fair the way women had to do absolutely everything. Franny knew that Gemma had been married a handful of times, twice to an Italian with a job in global finance, once to an heir to a Saudi oil company, but there was no way that any man would have ever typed up a list of instructions and use useful information for his home, unless, of course, he were being paid to do so. It was the kind of thoughtful touch that only women were intrinsically capable of, no matter what any quack therapists on television said. Franny heard a rumble upstairs. Jim's nasal passages had never taken well to transatlantic flights and shook her head. She did some yogic breathing, the kind that Jim thought sounded like a sweaty Russian in a bathhouse, as if he were in a position to judge, and tried to clear her mind to no avail. Just because no one else had slept on the plane and the rest of her family seemed perfectly content to slip into a vampiric schedule out of laziness didn't mean that Franny had to, too. She fished her sunglasses out of her purse and set out into the world, leaving her slumbering family members unprotected from the local evils, whatever they might be. She pulled the heavy front door shut behind her and began to walk down the hill in the direction of the local market. 
Someone needed to buy food for dinner, after all, and Sylvia's Spanish tutor was scheduled to come over at 3.30 after he was done with church, Franny guessed, seeing as they were in such a Catholic country. She didn't care one way or the other, only that he arrived more or less on time and didn't make Sylvia's Spanish any worse. Kids needed to be occupied, after all, whether they grew up on Manhattan, in Manhattan or on Majorca or, God bless them, on the mainland. They would drive to a larger supermarket later, maybe tomorrow, but for now, all they needed were a few things to make for dinner. Franny was the mom, which meant that all the planning fell to her, even if anyone else had been awake. No matter that Jim no longer had a job. Some retirees took up cooking as a hobby, turning their kitchen into, kitchens into miniature cordon bleus, filling drawers with brulee torches and abandoned parts of ice cream makers, but Franny couldn't quite imagine that happening. Most retirees had chosen to leave their jobs after decades of service and repetitive stress disorders, and that wasn't what had happened to Jim. What had happened to Jim? Franny kicked a loose rock. They'd always enjoyed vacations, the posts, and this seemed like as good a, uh, as good a send-off as any, complete with days at the beach and views to kill. Franny wished she had something to break. She bent over to pick up a stick and flung it over the cliff. The road to the small town, really just an intersection with a few restaurants and shops on either side, was narrow as they'd noticed driving up the mountain, but walking along the side of the road, Franny felt that it had shrunk even further. There was hardly room enough for a fleet of bicycles to whiz by her, let alone a car or, God forbid, two going in opposite directions, but whiz they did. She clung to the left side of the road, wishing that she'd thought to pack some sort of re reflective clothing. Franny was not a tall woman, but she wasn't as short as her mother and sister. She liked to think of herself as average size, though the averages had of course changed over time, Marilyn Monroe's size 12 being something like a modern size 6 and so on. Yes, it was true that Franny had gotten thicker in the last decade, but that was what happened unless you were a high-functioning psychotic and she had other things to think about. <laughs> Franny knew plenty of, plenty of women who had chosen to prioritize the eternal youth of their bodies and they were all miserable creatures, their taut triceps unable to conceal their dissatisfaction with their empty stomachs and unfulfilling lives. Franny liked to eat and to feed people and she wasn't embarrassed that her body displayed such proclivities. She'd gone to one horrible Overeaters Anonymous meeting in her early 40s in a stuffy room in the basement of a church, and the degree to which she recognized herself and the other men and women sitting on the folding chairs had scared her away for good. It might be a problem, but it was her problem, thank you very much. Some people smoked crack in alleyways. Franny ate chocolate. On the scale of things, it seemed entirely reasonable. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to skip ahead a little bit uh, to Sylvia, the 18-year-old. Sylvia had passed out immediately in the smallest bedroom, which looked like it had been built for a nun. A bed hardly wider than her slim teenage body, white walls, white sheets, painted white floor. The only thing un-nun-like about the room was the painting of a naked woman in repose. It looked like one of Charles's, that's her mother's best friend who's also on vacation with them, and she was used to those. He loved to paint those tender triangles of pubic hair, often of her mother in her youth. It was what it was. <laughs> Other people had the luxury of never seeing their mother naked, but not Sylvia. She stretched lazily, her pointed toes hanging over the end of the bed. The house smelled weird, like wet rocks and frogs, and it took Sylvia several minutes to remember where she was. This is the part where I have to apologize for not ever taking Spanish in my life, and my accent is really terrible. Me llamo Sylvia Post, she said. Donde esta el baño? Sylvia rolled onto her side and pulled her knees up to her chest. The, the single window in the roof, sorry, baby. 
The single window in the room was open and a nice breeze came in. Sylvia had few thoughts about Spain. It wasn't like France, which made her think of baguettes and bicycles, or Italy, which made her think of gondolas and pizza. Picasso was Spanish, but looked French and sounded Italian. There was the one Woody Allen movie that took place in Spain, but Sylvia hadn't seen it. Matadors? That was Spain, wasn't it? She might as well have woken up in a sunny bedroom somewhere on the island of Peoria, Illinois. The bathroom was down the hall, and it looked like it hadn't been renovated since 1973. The tiles on the wall above the bathtub and behind the sink were the color of split pea soup, a food group that Sylvia planned to happily avoid for the rest of her life. There was no proper shower, just a handheld nozzle on a long silver neck that began at the hot and cold knobs. Sylvia turned the hot one and waited for a minute, running the water over her hand to feel when it got warm. When the warmth didn't arrive, she turned the other knob, stripped off her clothes, and climbed in. She had to stoop in order to get the nozzle to reach her head and was able to really dampen only one body part at a time. There was a bar of soap in the dish, but Sylvia couldn't quite work out how to wash her body with one hand and douse herself with freezing cold water with the other. All the towels in the bathroom seemed to have been made for little people, thumbelina-sized people, people even shorter than her mother. Sylvia tried to wrap her upper and lower parts with two of the glorified washcloths. She combed her, hairs with her, her hair with her fingers and looked at herself in the mirror. Sylvia knew she wasn't bad-looking, she wasn't deformed, but she also knew that there was a vast chasm between her and the girls at her school who were beautiful. Her face was a little bit long, and her hair hung limply to her shoulders, neither short nor long, neither blonde nor brown, but somewhere in the middle. That was Sylvia's problem. She was the middle. Sylvia couldn't imagine how she would explain herself to someone else, to a stranger. She was average, with blue eyes that weren't particularly large or shapely. Nothing anyone could write a poem about. Sylvia thought about that a lot. So many of the world's best poems were written before their authors were really adults. Keats, Rimbaud, Plath. And yet they had packed so much beauty and agony into their lives, enough to sustain their memory for centuries. Sylvia stuck out her tongue and carefully opened the bathroom door with the hand holding the towel around her waist. Perdón. See, that's my Spanish accent again, sorry. There was a boy attached to the voice. Sylvia shut her eyes, hoping that she was hallucinating, but when she opened them again, he was still there. Maybe boy wasn't the right word. There was a young man standing in front of her, maybe Bobby's age, maybe younger, but definitely older than she was. Oh my God, Sylvia said. She didn't want to notice that the complete stranger who was staring at her while she was wearing very tiny towels was handsome, with dark, wavy hair like someone on the cover of a romance novel, but she couldn't help it. Oh my God, she said again and hurried around him, taking the smallest steps possible so that her legs were never more than two inches apart. When she was safely on the other side of her bedroom door, Sylvia let the towels drop to the floor so that she could use both of her hands to cover her face and scream without making any noise at all. I think I'll stop there. <laughs> what? That was quick. Well, you know, she's naked. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can... I'm, if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them, but I'm also very good at babbling, so I can babble for a minute beforehand. That's applause. Oh. require applause before babbling, but thank you. Do we have any questions for Emma? Yes, Kim. Um, I love your book. Thank you. I also love the cover. I remember seeing, um, I think a few of the books on Tumblr for the first time and just being struck by how beautiful it was. Yeah. I was wondering if it came, I that was the first one, the last one, and I was like, 
what the various covers were. Yeah. Um, so the people at Riverhead are, are very, very nice. Um, and really good. And they sent this to me. We were actually in Mallorca. No? No, my husband is telling me that I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, that was the paperback. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, they, they sent this to me, and I loved it right away. But, so, you'll notice, if you look at it, that there's this girl, woman, person, uh, in a bikini. And that was the only person on the cover. And I was like, no, no, no. No, you're not just giving me a girl in a bikini. Even if she's a beautiful drawing, you need to give me some more people. So they added this guy floating. And I think, you know, there's enough space between them that you understand things are not all right. Um, and then they added people all over the book. And I just, I love them. I love my tiny little people so much. Yeah, it's perfect. And um, another sort of funny thing about the book is that it had a different title for its whole life, really, until... Um, so I was this pregnant. I was due in two weeks. And they, my editor called me and said, everyone's so excited about the book. We love the book so much. It's so great. Rah, rah, rah. We need a new title. And I was like, I'm sorry. I have three brain cells, and they're not working. So I don't know, understand. I don't understand what you're trying to say to me. Um, and so over the next two weeks, I so emailed with my editor and with some other friends of mine. and. I mean, we were all sort of brainstorming different titles. And finally, my editor was like, what if they were all very complicated and like the titles of obscure like Miro paintings. It was a disaster. <laughs> um, but, but finally, my editor was like, what if we just keep it really simple? And it's just the vacationers. And I was like, OK, but I don't like it. And she was like, in like two months, you're going to forget that this book ever had a different title. And it's true. Um, it was called The Good Face. See? <laughs> I loved it. Nobody else liked it. And now I'm, hap now I'm happy that it has a different one. But I, I'm, a, I'm a serial title reuser. So maybe someday I'll write a book called The Good Face. But not this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Woman's Head. Yeah. Oh, my God. Another woman's face. Yeah. I told you, I'm a, I have a babble problem. Yes, Karen. How did you book my own And did you consider other cities? Yeah, well, so I knew it needed to be an island because that just works, you know. They're, they have to be marooned from the rest of the planet. Um, and Franny is a food writer and a travel writer, and so I, I didn't think, I knew they had to go, I knew they had to go sort of far away, like it couldn't be Bermuda. Um, Although, like, the Bermuda Triangle, I don't know. That could have given me another bad title. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I, wanted, I wanted somewhere that had really good food and that had some sort of a literary, artsy history, which Mallorca does. Um, so, yeah, I thought it, w it, just, it just worked. Although I, I wrote the first draft never having been to Mallorca. And... I was pregnant, and so I was like working against the clock already. And so we went in the off season. We went in January, and I knew that if it was like a totally, totally the wrong place, that I would have to sort of start from scratch. And I'm really glad that Mallorca was just as beautiful and perfect as I thought it was going to be. So much, so many changes. Yeah, I mean, there were so many things that I've, I really on every page of this book. There's something that I found on the streets of Mallorca that I had to steal and. 
put in the book. A lot of tapas. A lot of like meats on stick, on sticks. Have to go right in there. Is anyone from Mallorca um, yes. Oh, wait. I don't know if my friend is here. My friend Olga. I So I worked for a number of years as a bookseller at a bookstore called Book Court in Brooklyn. And I knew this young woman who was a nanny for two kids in the neighborhood. And she was so nice. And she was Mallorcan. And I told her that I was writing this book. And I was like, can I ask you some questions? And she she helped me a lot. She so, yes, one Mallorcan person at least. I keep, I'm trying to get a copy to Rafa Nadal right now. Cross your fingers for me. I don't know if he can read, but he's really handsome. Any other questions? Grandma? Going once? Going twice? Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.